we're doing a series for the next just two weeks on calling, okay? And the idea of calling is this idea of what do you want to do with your life? What, what does God want you to do with your life? And, and here's the reason I, I want to do this series. And again, it's just two weeks. And let me start also by saying this sermon I've actually preached before. I've preached to you guys before. I'm pretty sure we did it last year. So some of you may, this may sound familiar too. Um, but obviously we've got a lot of new people, so that's okay. Um, but I think it bears repeating, because year after year I run into students, and, and this is more so high school for obvious reasons, but middle school, if you'll lean in to this, okay, I think you will find some things here that are very valuable to you as well. Okay? In high school, I hope to kind of help you ease, uh, help ease some tension. Here's why we're doing a series on calling. Okay? I'm going to read to you from a book called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. Okay? Uh, the subtitle is How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Feelings, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Writing in the Sky, etc. So it's this idea of how you find God's will for your life. Okay? What does that actually mean? And, and again, my hope is, I, I don't think you're going to walk out of here and be like, oh, okay, chemical engineer, got it, thanks, Ryan. Like, I don't think it's going to be that specific, right? But my hope is to kind of help you um, relax a little bit with this and, and trust the Lord with this. So let me read this to you, <laughs> not the entire book, I wish, right? Um, but just a little section from the first page. All right, here we go. It is God's will for you to read this book. Yes, I'm talking to you. What are the odds that you would just happen to pick up this book and flip open to this page and start reading? It's the first page. Obviously, it's a sign of all the millions of books in the world. You found this one. Wow, I have chills. Do not pass up this divinely orchestrated moment. If you miss this moment, there's a good chance you will completely miss God's will for the rest of your life and spend your days in misery and regret. Now that I've scared you, let me acknowledge that everything in the previous paragraph is completely false. It's not true at all. It's ridiculous. Actually, I don't know if it's God's will for you to read this book, but I do think that reading it could be a really good idea. For so many of us, right, that's what we think, I think, when it comes to finding our jobs, uh, finding the right school, like finding the right college, picking the right major, deciding whether or not to even go to college. When you choose these things, this is what we think, when you choose these things, choose carefully because your eternal destiny hangs in the balance, right? And, and I see a lot of college kids kind of crumple under the pressure of this because they, spend, they think that their entire future hangs on this one decision, right? And if they get it wrong, then the next 40 years of their life will be a complete waste. God will abandon them. They won't be happy or successful. And all because they chose history instead of business, or business instead of art, or they went into the military and they weren't supposed to go into the military. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How can you have peace about God's calling on your life and how can you know what that calling is? Turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So in the Bible, it's Genesis and then Exodus chapter 3. And we th I think we'll have it uh, up on the screen as well. 
Exodus 3, verses 1 through 4. Fun fact about Exodus, I would also recommend to you um, the DreamWorks animated hit Prince of Egypt, right? Uh, wonderful film, uh, wonderful film. It, it's not like the most accurate, but it doesn't, I don't think it does anything that like is going to completely like destroy your faith. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not like word for word from the text, obviously, but it can help you kind of get a picture for what's going on and some, some feelings that Moses is going through. It was on Netflix back in the day. I don't know if it still is. Um, food for thought, right? That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that one's for free. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now listen to what happens here. Exodus 3, 1 through 4. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. So many people when they're trying to figure out where to go to school or what their major should be, or should they date this person or not date this person, or should they take this job or that job, they'll, all, they'll talk to me or, or whomever, and they'll say, I'm just waiting to hear from the Lord about what I should do. Okay, That's what they'll say. I'm waiting. To, maybe you're waiting to hear from the Lord. I hope to help you. But here's the first clue. Um, we think that, what I just read from Moses, from Exodus, that that burning bush moment, we think that's what God's call on our life is going to be like. That's what so many students are waiting for. You'll be praying one night, right? You'll be praying one night with Hillsong on your phone, right? And then all of a sudden, your phone will burst into flame, but it won't be consumed, right? And, and from the flame in your phone, a voice, right? Jeffrey, Susan. And, then, and you'll hear, and you'll hear, and you'll be like, yeah, yes, Lord, right? And you'll be like, and they'll be like, take your slides off, take your house shoes off for it's holy ground. And you're okay. And then they say, and it says early childhood education. And you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Early childhood education. That's what I'm supposed to go into the military. Oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, that's what, and we think like, and it is, it's silly. Ha ha, we're, ha ha, Ryan, um, unbelievable. Like, but, but that's what you think. Like, I run into student after student who is terrified of what's coming next for them in terms of college or job choice or, or dating or whatever, and, they're, and they're, they won't make a decision because they're waiting on this magical summons from the Lord, right? That's what we think. I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do. Let me ask you a question. What if God is already telling you what to do? What if He's already moving you towards the right school? He's moving you towards the right profession? What if He's already doing it? And what if He's been telling you for years? We always start with Exodus chapter 3 when it comes to Moses' calling to go free the Israelites. But let's go back a chapter. Look at Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Exodus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, and when I find it, we'll read it. Now, it came about in those days, when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brothers, this is the Hebrew people, the Israelites, and he looked on their hard labors, 
and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses sees this hard labor. He sees right here in chapter 2, before the burning bush, he sees his people being enslaved. He sees this Hebrew being beaten, and he does something about it. He doesn't, which obviously shows that he doesn't like it that his people are being persecuted. Can we agree? I mean, he killed this guy. He doesn't like that his people are being persecuted already. But this is before the burning bush. This is before God tells him anything. He doesn't like that they're being persecuted. It burns in his heart. So killing this guy shows us that Moses already wants to free and protect his people before God even speaks to him. Look at verse 13, verse 13 of chapter 2. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrew people were fighting with each other. And Moses said to the offender, why are you striking your brother? So we see again in, in, in verse 13, Moses sees two Hebrew people fighting with each other. And so he reaches out to stop them from fighting amongst themselves. Because he cares about what's going on. Moses is seeking to bring order to his people. Moses already wants to free them from the Egyptians because he killed that man. He already wants to bring order to his people because he broke up this argument. That sounds like a leader. Moses already wants to do what he's going to do, and God has not even shown up yet. We always think, and here, here's where this applies to you. We always think that Moses was called to free his people by God in Exodus 3 out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere. And he, had, he could have cared less about them, but then God calls him, and then he decides that's what he's going to do. And that's not what happened. We can see Moses already wanted to free his people. It's right here in chapter 2. God took Moses' natural passion and used it for his glory. Moses was already naturally passionate about setting free the Israelites, about bringing order to his people. And in the burning bush, God, this isn't just an idea. Like, it's not like Moses had never thought of this before. Does that make sense? Moses had already wanted to do this, and now God shows up in the burning bush to take Moses' passion and use it for his glory. Three steps, my type A's, three steps to finding, to, to help you in your calling. Number one, find your natural passions. What are you naturally? You see, Moses wanted to free the Israelites. Moses wanted to bring order to his people, and God hadn't said anything yet. Does that make sense? And in the same way, what are, some, what are things that you are naturally passionate about? A couple examples. Do you like making things with your hands? Um, what subjects in school do you love? What subjects in school do you not love, right? We were talking about this earlier. That's part of it. That's part of how you were designed. That's part of your calling. What is something, here, here's the question that I ask students, and from sixth grade up, you can appreciate this, and it's not a participatory, right? Just think to yourself. What are some things that if you had to do them on a, sun, uh, on a Saturday morning, you wouldn't mind doing it? What are some things that if you had to get up and do it on a Saturday morning, you wouldn't mind doing it? Those things, that, and they can be anything, guys. They really can. Sleep more. Okay, let's think on that. Uh, play video games. Watch TV because I like good stories. Or, or get up and read. Or go outside and play. Things like, okay, so you're active. So These are already clues into how God has formulated you. What has He made you passionate about? Um, 
before I came to uh, PVN, I worked at a financial planning firm called Ronald Blue and Company, and I did not enjoy it. It was a great place, but the, 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 the job just wasn't for me. And I would get in there, sometimes I'd have to get in there super early, like 6 a.m. or something. And I'd get in there early, and there were men and women at their desks already, like, plugging away, like they've been going for a while. And I thought, what in the world? And then I would leave at 6 p.m., and those same people were still at their desks, just, just going hard, right? Just working so hard. And I, and I remember specifically thinking, uh, I remember specifically thinking, man, I want that. You know what I mean? I want to get, I want to have a job that I love doing so much that I think, oh man, it's that time. I got to go. You know what I mean? I want a job that I just get lost in it like that. That's what I want. And finding that starts by finding your passions. What are some things that if you had to get up on a Saturday morning to do them, you wouldn't mind doing it? That's an insight into how God has made you. You see, we keep waiting for God to come down in fire and thunder to speak to you about your calling, right? From the burning phone, right? But He makes clear, right? But, but He makes clear in His Word, listen, He makes clear in His Word that He's already speaking to you. He's already speaking to you in how He's molded you. He's speaking to you through the passions that He's given to you. Number two, so first step, find your natural passions. Number two, a passion that becomes a talent. A passion that becomes a talent. You see what I'm saying? So you got a passion, something you love, and then it becomes a talent. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses flees Egypt after killing... Again, Prince of Egypt is helpful here. Moses flees Egypt after killing this Egyptian slave owner because now he's wanted for murder, right? So he flees Egypt and he goes to Midian. And he's in Midian for about 40 years. From what we can tell, Moses was about 40 when he, okay, this is important. Moses was about 40 when he left Egypt to go to Midian. He was in Midian for 40 years. So Moses didn't get called to go back to Egypt and free the slaves until he was 80. So think about that the next time you wonder, man, I'm trying to figure out God's call on my life and I feel like it's taking a long time. Sometimes that's, ex that's exactly where God wants it. That's okay. If you haven't figured it out yet, in your teenage years, Moses didn't get it together until he was 80. But God was working in his life. That, you're okay. You're right where you need to be. Okay? Um, while he's in Midian, he develops. So he's got the passion. He wants to free the Israelites. While he's in Midian, he is forced to develop his passion and is trained up as a shepherd. Right? Chapter 3, verse 1. One who is in charge of many. Boy, that's going to come in handy later. Right? Extra-biblical literature, so history books outside the Bible show us Moses was actually a great military leader in Egypt for those first 40 years of his life while he was in Pharaoh's family. So Moses had roughly 25 years of experience in leading large forces across the Egyptian terrain in the military. Then for 40 more years, he grows an extensive knowledge of the desert land beyond Egypt in Midian as a shepherd, which, by the way... 
is almost the exact same path he leads Israel through after they're freed. It says in 3.1 that he goes to Mount Horeb. Do you know another name for Mount Horeb? It's Mount Sinai. In some of your versions, it may even say Sinai. This is where Moses will be given the Ten Commandments. How fitting that God took him through this land on his own. And then God's, if you're leading millions of people, it's probably best to know where you're going. Does that make sense? Look at how God was already molding Moses before he called him into anything. Moses has, God is developing Moses into exactly what he needs to be. Moses has this passion to free the Israelites, but he doesn't quite have the skill set to do it yet. Does that make sense? He's got the passion for it, but he doesn't have the skill set yet. So God brings him away to Midian and trains him up, and all of this is before the burning bush. So if you're waiting on your moment for your calling from God on where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do, well, maybe right now in this moment God is molding you so that when it is time to go, you'll be ready. He's taking such good care of us in silence sometimes. Does that make sense? Sometimes when we think God is being silent, that's when he's taking the best care of us because he's busy working on us. <clears throat> um, we like to say, and I understand the phrase, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, right? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I get what people mean when they say that, but I would edit that and say, He equips the called before He calls them. He equips you before He calls you. He's equipping you, look at me, He's equipping you right now. He's working in your life right now so that when you reach that calling, you'll be ready. Moses is such a perfect example that God will not give you a job that you are unqualified for. He just won't do it. He's not going to give you a job that you're unqualified for. We wait for this burning bush moment where we automatically, where we audibly hear God or open our Bible to the Psalms one day and decide this is the path to go down. Don't base your whole calling on one moment. Instead, listen to God's constant voice through your passions and talents. His constant voice comes to you through your passions. Your passions are always with you. In a way, this is God always speaking to you. I made you for this. I made you to love this. It's terrifying to base everything on one moment, right? But if you can back that moment up with months or even years of experience to know that it's true, like if I had come to Kristen the first day we met and been like, marry me, she would have been like, no, right? And then we, it would not have worked out. But when I asked her to marry me, we had two years worth of, of dating uh, to go on so she knew she could trust me and she had watched me be sacrificial. She knew me as a person. You can almost make the wager that those two years of dating where nothing cool happened were much more important than the day I popped the question, right? And in the same way, we spend our whole lives waiting for God to just tell us what to do in one moment. Well, those two years of buildup are much more important. You see what I mean? Wait for God through His constant voice. A way, here's a way to define a talent, a passion that becomes a talent. A talent is a passion that you can act on. A passion that you can act on. You may love going to the pool, but you're terrible at swimming, right? He's not calling you to the U.S. Olympic team. 
Okay, can we agree on that? And you're like, oh, that's common sense, Ryan. I know that because I'm not getting it. So exactly, exactly. Oh, Ryan, I just got back from, from beach camp, and, and I'm, I'm called to be a missionary. Really, a missionary? Where? Antarctica. Whoa, Antarctica, okay. You know there's only like six people there, and they're not even there for the whole year. See, you've got this passion, maybe, but not the talent for it. Not the rational understanding of it. Start with what you're passionate about. What are things you love to do? But then ask, okay, what are my talents? What are those passions that have grown into things that I can use? See, it's still your passion. It's just grown into something you can use. Moses had a passion to free his people. The Lord gave him that. Then the Lord guided Moses as his passion was developed into a talent. And he'll do the same for you. Are you willing to develop that passion into a talent? Are you, will, are you willing to develop that passion into a talent? Um, my favorite class in high school and college was public speaking. Uh, I'm in seminary right now, and I've, which, which obviously like public speaking I use, right? I'm, I'm in seminary right now and will be for quite some time. And I've taken roughly like 15 classes so far, and every one of them, I come home and I tell Kristen, that's the best class I've ever been in. And the next semester, I'm like, that's the best class I've ever been in. I love going to school right now. Because this is a passion, sharing the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, shepherding people. This is a passion that I am willing to stretch into a talent. What, what are your passions that you're willing to invest in? What are the passions that you're willing to lean into when maybe they're not as fun sometimes? That's the true passion. You see what I mean? There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with cutting bait and leaving when, it's, when you're not good at it anymore, when it's not fun anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's probably not your calling. You see what I'm saying? What are the things that you're willing to sacrifice for, that you want to sacrifice? What are those passions that you're willing to go the long haul with? Those are the passions that you really need to start paying attention to. So, the final thing that Moses needs, so he's got the passion, he's been in the desert, and he's, now he's developed this passion into a talent, shepherding, military leadership. He's going to need all those things. The passion has become the talent, and now he needs the last thing, number three, opportunity. Opportunity. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, and then we're going to read something else in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 2, verse 23. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So the thing to understand here is that Pharaoh has died. Okay, The Pharaoh that knew Moses has died. Now look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. Exodus 3, 7 through 8. So this is the burning bush, right? Here we go. This is the burning bush. He's got the passion. He's got the talent. Here comes the opportunity. Exodus 3, 7 to 8. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So, 
The old Pharaoh dies. Why is that important? Here's why this is important. Because Moses' murder charge essentially dies with him. Remember, Moses killed this slave owner, and now he's ran out into Midian. When Pharaoh dies, now public knowledge and memory of Moses and what he did, it just kind of fades out. Just, just like it does in today's world, right? Things will happen and we'll care about them for a minute, and then they fade, and then we just kind of forget. People know less about Moses. They care less about Moses. Does that make sense? So it, all, it just kind of fades out. Now, Moses can go back through Egypt unbothered and untouched because no one's looking for him anymore. If he had gone back sooner, let's say he goes back before God gives him the opportunity. He's got the passion. He's got the talent. He's forcing his own opportunity. Well, he's still a wanted man. So as soon as he steps foot back into Egypt, right, as soon as those sandals get back into Egypt, he's going to be placed in jail or worse. So look at how God's sovereign hand gives Moses the right opportunity at the right time. He's got the passion, he's got the talent, but the timing is up to God. And God is on his side. So Moses started with a passion. The Lord guided the development of that passion into a talent. And now God is the one who gives the opportunity. God opens the door. Remember, uh, I know you remember, but remember when Esther rises to power in Persia as a Hebrew woman. Then the Hebrew people are in danger of mass genocide. Mordecai comes to Esther and says that famous verse, Esther 4.14, And who knows whether or not you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has brought everything together for this moment in his time. Mordecai is saying, God has given you this opportunity. God has opened this door. Let's say you do have a passion for something. And you have the ability to act on that passion. You've got the talent and the passion. One way of God confirming the call on your heart is through giving you opportunities, through giving you open doors to walk through and use that talent. You see what I mean? What do we do with doors, with opportunities? First thing, yeah, first thing. Look for them, okay? Look for these opportunities, all right? Um, you won't catch any fish in your living room, okay? You can't, like, get the Nalgene and fill it up and, like, whoosh, and just, just give it time. Just, just play in the waiting game. No, it's never, it's never going to happen, right? <laughs> Landon's like, no, of course not, right? It's not going to happen. Get your fishing pole, to finish the analogy, get your fishing pole, go outside, and give it your best shot. Start looking for opportunities, High school, not middle school, high school, I use this with, like, there will be college guys who will come up to me and be like, man, I just, I can't, I, I can't find a girlfriend, blah, blah. Well, do you, they don't say blah, blah, but you get it. Like, I just can't find a girlfriend. Well, do you, do you hang out with groups where there are girls? Well, no, not really. Well, okay, step one, right? Step two, don't walk around in your pajamas all the time, right? Step three. Like, there are easy, no disrespect, there are easy, there are easy things, right? Are you looking, are you, like, they're waiting for people to come to them. They're waiting for job opportunities. They're waiting for the, the sign from God. They're waiting for, one of the other ways you know it's a calling is if you want to go looking for it, right? 
You want to go find opportunities. When I first started thinking about ministry uh, in Atlanta, I was calling every high school FCA I knew, asking if they would just come and let me speak. Just come let me speak. Help me get some experience. Um, I went looking for Bob like six years ago, six years ago, asking like, just, just, I would love to just intern here. Is there extra stuff? Like, like I just want to learn more. What are things in your life that you want to learn more about? That you, doors that you want to try. You see what I mean? Um, put yourself out there. Go look for open doors. Go look for opportunities that God is working. Whatever you want to develop, go look for those opportunities. Lauren has been working for us for three years now. Do you know how she got the job? She lifted up her hands and the Lord opened the... No, no, there was nothing magic. She just showed up, literally. She just showed up. And then we started talking about internship and Lauren was one of the first people to apply. She started asking how she could get involved. Bob and I did not know Lauren. She's from Texas, right? She came looking, she came looking for us. And from what Lauren's told me, there has been no magical moment that got her this job. God, listen to this, I wrote it in bold so you know it's important. God most often works extraordinary things through ordinary means. God most often works extraordinary things through ordinary means. A regular job interview, a regular phone call, God, give me this job. I'm not going to, he's not just going to, first of all, he can't give you a, like, what does that even look like? He can't give you a job, but he can, he can give you a phone with which to call people with. He can give you a friend who can help you get your resume together. He can give you a youth pastor who can write letters of recommendation for you. You see how he can, awesome things through ordinary means, but so often we don't really want to pay attention to these ordinary means. But that's the road God's given you to walk to get where you want to go. God most often works extraordinary things through ordinary means. For so many of us, we have passions that have become talents, and God is giving us opportunities all over, but we don't act on them because we think we're supposed to wait for a burning bush moment to confirm it. Don't do that. He's already confirming it. Um, When trying to figure out what college I wanted to go to, I toured UGA, Barry, GCSU, and Georgia Southern. And I went to Georgia Southern, and they had this thing where you could, where you could spend the night with an RA, like, and you could go to like, wherever they went to and like, go to class with them. Was, I, looking back, I'm sure I was super annoying to this poor RA, but it was really cool because I got to get to know the campus better. And I just was on the phone with my grandma one time talking to Juanita, and I was like, listen, I really enjoyed Georgia Southern. I remember specifically having this conversation. I was like, I enjoyed Georgia Southern. I'm just waiting to hear from God if that's what I'm, where I'm supposed to go. And she was like, what are you talking about? He's, she said, he's warmed your heart to it. You see, we, we think about God calling us. God can only work through speaking to us. But God works just as much through warming our heart towards things. That's salvation. First of all, he warms our heart to love the gospel, but he warms your heart towards things you're passionate about. He warms your heart towards places you might be supposed to go and jobs you might be supposed to apply for. What places, ask yourself, right? Maybe you go home and you ask yourself, what places, what opportunities is God starting to warm your heart to? 
I don't know where I'm supposed to go to school, but I loved this place. Well, maybe this is the place you need to start leaning. Maybe that is God saying, start leaning in here. Ask about financial aid here. Ask about opportunities here. Number two, and this is important. We're going to talk more about this next week. If the door stays closed, right? This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm good at. But I can't find the job yet. I can't find the opportunity to use this gift. This is the school I want to go to. This is, I've got the grades and stuff, but for whatever reason, that door is staying closed. If the door stays closed, use that closed door. Listen, use that closed door as a chance to develop your passion and talent further. Use the closed door to develop your passion and talent further. If you don't have the opportunity to act on this and you just give up, that's okay, but it also means it probably wasn't your calling. When ministry gets hard for me, personal example, when ministry gets hard for me, I look for ways to improve, not doors out of here. That's how I know I'm called to this. One of the ways you understand that marriage is a calling is that when you're married, instead of when things go bad, instead of saying, man, I really wonder if she's the one or he's the one, like I'm sure Kristen thinks about that all the time, right? Um, Instead of looking for ways out, you look for ways to stay. You see what I mean? And in the same way, with your passions and your talents, use this closed door. Read books on your passion. (laughs) There's the litmus test. What's something you like so much you're willing to read a book about it, right? That, that may be the thing. Now, and listen, listen, I get it. I'm, I'm still hip. Listen, I, wrote, I even wrote this. Watch YouTube videos. And there you go. On your passion or your talent. Listen, find a mentor who has already gone down this path and use their advice as an example. Find a mentor who's already doing what you're interested in doing. And, and seriously, within the first like three weeks, you're probably going to learn like, yep, this is for me. Or nope, totally misread that. You know what I mean? Like three weeks with a mentor versus spending whatever untold amounts of money to try to figure it out, why not go hang with a mentor for a few weeks and just see, right? Old people love young people. If you call them and you're like, I just want to hang out and learn from you, they're going to have to dry their tears from weeping, and they're going to like immediately accept you in, right? Don't be afraid to do that. Find a mentor. We're, we're talking about colleges, right? Next semester, we do this thing for seniors, and we're going to tweak it this year a little bit where where we have college students come back and talk to seniors about college. And we're going to let the juniors in on some of those discussions this year too. So that that way, it's not going to be too little too late for some of you, right? So that way you'll start to learn some more. Like, what's the best way to figure out how to choose a college? Well, let's talk to someone who just chose a college. You see what I mean? This is, a, this is low-hanging fruit, such an easy opportunity. Opportunities are things that you can't control. You really can't control the opportunities you get. But you can control how passionate and how talented you are. While you wait, take the time to grow. Does that make sense? While that door is closed, take the time to grow while you wait for it to open. Let me close with this. I don't know what God's will is for your life, but I know it's a good idea for you to start acting on your passions and talents now. And while you do that, remember that no job can secure your eternal destiny. We like to think that once you figure it out, and you can ask some of the older students in here, 
They had this thought where if I can just figure out this, life will get easier. And then they figure it out, and life is not easier yet. It's actually a little bit more complex. And so they're like, okay, if I just figure the next part out, if I can just get this part, and so they figure it out. Uh, surprise, surprise, life is still crazy complex and insane. So let me clue you in on this now. Finding the spouse is not going to solve it. Finding the job is not going to solve it. Getting the right amount of money is not going to solve it because it's a heart issue. Understand that no job can ever secure your eternal destiny. Your eternal destiny was decided 2,000 years ago. The cross is Jesus' guarantee. Now listen, the cross is Jesus' guarantee that whether you spend your entire life floating from one opportunity to the next, or whether you work your first job for 30 years, He has sealed you through the cross on an even deeper level. Deeper than any, He has sealed you and protected you in a way that no job or spouse ever could. Your future is certain, not because of employment, but because of Jesus. Jesus.